The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, I always thought you would be a, a sort of, in inverted commas, non-believer when it came to uh, to Halloween. I've never enjoyed Halloween, but part, partly that's because of a serious reason, that it also marks the, the anniversary, the date of my father's passing. So you can imagine that him passing on the 31st of October, us going back to mum's, what was mum and dad's house, and then sitting there waiting for people to knock on the door and say trick or treat was not necessarily mm. something that i loved that particular night and, yeah. and I, I, w- I would imagine that it's gone downhill <laughs> downhill ever since then we now we're miserable old sausages we actually you know our house has a gate we yeah. close the gate and actually lock it it never gets locked there's only one day <laughs> one day a year it gets locked halloween and I know we're recording this. We're recording this Halloween, and it's going out mo- the Monday after. But um, but you love it. You love it. Well, I enjoy it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't dislike it at all. I kind of, um, you know, we spend a lot of time traipsing around. I think, you know, maybe it's something to do with the where our houses are located. Yours is on a busy main road, yeah. as lovely as your house is, whereas ours is in a, a little village. And so, you know, the the rule of thumb is that if you've got a pint. Uh, uh, Keep saying pineapple, not a pineapple. What are they called? Those orange, orange things. <laughs> a turnip. <laughs> that is not a turnip either. Go on, I want to hear you say pumpkin. pumpkin. Yes, go on. If you've got a pumpkin lit in your either your window, or most of us put them on our doorsteps, but I don't know what the weather would be like today. Um, then you know, rainy, you can take rainy, bang tonight. on the door. Yeah. Well, you uh, probably have a better class of trick or treaters than than what we have in in uh, Fatcham. I don't know about that. I just it's probably easier in Malmesbury. Is it? I, I must say because you, you can basically do the whole town in you know an hour. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and a lot of the people around here, I have to say, put a good effort into it. There's do one. They? There's one guy up on the up near the bypass who um, who spends. He's I, I saw him. I was I was coming back from judo last night, and he was just finishing it all off. And his entire house looks like a, a, a oh, theme park. Yeah. Oh, we have one like that around the corner. He spent weeks. Yeah, yeah. He does it every year. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, it looks like a, it looks like what well, it looks akin to what Disney would have done if if they yeah. if they did that to their castle on yeah. Halloween night. So, if I come trick or treating tonight, Kev, what am I going to get? Um, you're going to get. Um, I've got. I've still got to get them. Actually, I usually buy three boxes of um, Quality Street. Uh, and that's it. I was rather hoping for a 35 millimeter lens. No, it's two boxes for me and one box for the kids. The Fuji car. So no thirty-five millimeter for me then, Kev. Um, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want a crummy old Quality Street. I like Quality Street, but I'd rather have a lens. Um, I tell you what, I have got. Well, I've got the Viltrox twenty-seven mil f one point two to test. Well, yeah, but you can't give it to me as a trick or treat thing, can you? No, can't give it to you. No, but I could, I could hit you over the head with it, perhaps or something. <laughs> That's true. Welcome to the Fu- Welcome to the Fuji Cast. You and your letters, um, the 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 questions that you've you've sent into our Facebook group, or of course to the email address, which is click at fujicast.co.uk. I think we're doing okay for letter for, for emails and questions, Kev. Um, uh, yeah, 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 we're doing all right. We always need more. Don't, don't ever more. worry about thinking uh, it's been asked before because, no. you know, what comes around goes around. Well, uh, I mean, what are we now? Three years? Are we three years old or four years old now, Kev? Where are oh, we? I don't know. I mean, I not. some of the questions that were asked very, very, very early on, we could just recycle. Could, yeah. <laughs> we could pretend they haven't been asked and just <laughs> yes. read them out again. Do you remember this letter from X Change Name? 
Uh, so the Fuji cast, we have we have a book to this this week, don't we? What's the what's the book of the week, Kev? I'm not going to tell you until we get to it. Oh, but I, I'm going to tell you now. It's a porker. It's an what? absolute porker. Oh, cool. I thought you said a porker. I thought what's that? No, it's a porker. A porker. Porker. All right. All right. Okay. I'm going to give you a clue. Go on. Last of the seventh. Last of the seventh. Does that ring a bell? Uh, that wouldn't be anything to do with a seven photo agency, would it? No. No. We'll get there. It'll seven, all come seven, flowing back. Seven your... Deadly Sins? No. Have you seen that film, Seven? Have you, have you seen Seven? Uh, I have seen Seven, yes. Oh. I think. Have I seen Seven? Is it's the, the one, one with, uh... with the head in the box at the end. Sorry, I've just given it away. No. <laughs> Where... no I don't watch things like that. It's, don't look in the box. What's in the box? Don't look in the box. Where he's running through the, through the, um, through the desert. Morgan, we've, we've... One of Morgan Freeman's finest. Someone told us a couple of weeks ago to watch there's some um, drama on BBC or something. Ghosts? About no 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 it's it's just a drama right. and they said uh, it, it's about um, this chap that gets mistakenly identified as a terrorist and it's meant oh. to be brilliant. I don't know it's BBC One or Channel Four or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, it's meant to be a brilliant like multi episode series. So me and Gemma sat down and thought right we'll watch that and then it <laughs> the 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 music started all that kind of stuff and then you know in the top left hand corner where they give you all the trigger warnings these days oh, it yeah. includes yeah. you know swearing drug use um and then it said An- animal cruelty and we both went well that's it not we're not for us. No. <laughs> that was the end of that we turned over and watched only fools and horses <laughs> yeah well probably a safer bet i don't want to watch something about animal cruelty yeah it's meant to be a good program though yeah. but there you go i can't think of the movie that um la- last night as we wound as we wound our way toward halloween last night uh Tom, young Thomas went to his oh get this i'm saying this his girlfriend's house kev girlfriend's no. house yeah his no, age? Not, no, I'm not allowing Rosa to have a boyfriend or girlfriend, whichever she decides on. But I'm well, not. She's not having it. No, not until can't. she's 27. <laughs> if you can't do that. I, just, I wrote it down Rap- in the rules when she was born. Rapunzel's story all over. But he went to watch, uh, there were a whole group of them. They went to, what was the movie? Oh, I can't remember it. Anyway, there's two of them. And the second one you can get, I can get on, I think it was Netflix. I can't get the original one. It wants, on demand wants me to pay for it. But they, they, um, it was a fifteen movie, so they're they're on that they're in they're in that age group now, well, nearly some of them. And he came home last night. Absolutely, he would from this party watching this uh, this movie. He uh, guess what bed I slept in last night. His, <laughs> his, yeah. Guess what bed he slept in. His girlfriend's. No, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Mullins. If there was a yellow card sound effect, I would now be holding one up. And if Donald Trump had said, don't be disgusting, and I had that jingle, I'd play that. No, nope, Sam's. Oh, Kev. <laughs> so I don't know. He said, I'm not going to sleep in my bed for the next week. <laughs> so I'm sleeping in a tiny bed where I have to tuck my legs up. <laughs> Uh, right, we should uh, say thank you to our our sponsor before this gets any more daft. Thank you, Pick Time or Pick Time dot com. If you're looking them up uh, on uh, on the interweb for your support for this show, we really appreciate it. It's the place where we uh, we show all our our weddings and portrait work. I've showed some commercial work there to our clients. A, a great way, uh, an attractive way to show your galleries. You can. Size some of the images in your gallery larger, if you want to call them the hero images, so you can draw eyes into particular parts of the story. You can do all kinds of stuff with a gallery that just makes it, and makes it look like a website, Kev, isn't it? It's a website design, really? It is, yeah. Have you ever heard of HoneyBook? No. 
Honeybook is a um, uh, like content uh, customer relationship management system for photographers. Very oh, good. Okay. Um, very big. I think it's primarily, primarily predominantly uh, North American based, right. USA, Canada, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, the reason why I mentioned it is because I got a notification yesterday from PickTime to say they now got integration oh. with Honeybook which means that if you are a HoneyBook user, which I'm sure there are many listening, your galleries, your CRM system, it's all now, all the magical jiggery-pokery is all connected in the back ends. All of the little um, computer fairies will be peddling even faster if you have HoneyBook connected to PickTime. And I believe that it's free for a year, at least, that kind of connection or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, or no, sorry, you get HoneyBook free for a year if you have with your pick time pro account right that might be worth um you know it's it's only as far as i can tell it's only for um usa and canadian oh i can't i can't go to it yet then i've never used a crm system i think you can use honeybook but i don't think you can have the connection between the two right just yet unless you're american or canadian of which i'm neither (laughs) which you're not yes but crm wise I've always used um, Excel spreadsheets and stuff. Spreadsheets coming out my ears, Kev. Mm. It's not the way to do it, is it? My, no. my, what do you What do you do for CRM? I've, I wrote my own access database oh, years do. and years and years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still yeah. got it. Yeah, still got it. Still, still going works. strong. Still. Access is that still a thing? It's still a thing, yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I was funny enough. I was reading about that. Those of you wondering what the hell we're on about, Microsoft Access is a database system that you can build forms and apps and things and it was so popular at one point the reason why they're not discontinuing it is because there is so many legacy systems yeah that like and and you know like proper high-end um you know bank i mean i wrote i I remember writing a system for um bank of england reporting regulatory reporting that must have made you a fortune kev no, no, no. I was working. I was oh. working for Deutsche Bank. Right. And it was, it was, you know, this system we wrote was responsible for doing the regulatory reporting at the end of every single day and all the trades made. Wow. I would not be surprised if that's still in place now at that <laughs> bank. Um, there's certainly lots and lots of access databases yeah. that I wrote and many other developers wrote over the years that will still be running. Well, we, uh, we, we had right. one for, would it be, could it be feasible that it was written in 1997? Would, would that yeah. yeah so that yeah. was written for a company i was working in at the time called the radio school mm-hmm. and uh, this guy came along in a very posh car and he charged us i think about five and a half k for writing this access mm-hmm. five and a half k seems to be a, a figure that's embedded in my mind probably because my, my my fellow boss at the time screamed very loudly i think when he opened the quote <laughs> but we had it yeah. done they were yeah. very specialist developers and designers, Kev, doing that stuff. Oh, that great. I loved Access. I remember writing a, I, I was a, um, uh, when I went independent and set up my own little dev company, I wrote uh, the um, software for PepsiCo UK for all of their kind of pet analytics, which mm-hmm. is basically the, uh, a pet is like a pack. Right. right, so you've got like twelve packs of Pepsi or twelve packs of Lilt or whatever, or oh, six yeah, packs, etc., yeah, all that kind yeah. of stuff. And but it was the, like the most complicated thing I've ever had to get my head around. The formulas and everything in it were, were nuts. And all it was was essentially to add up how many pets they'd sold in particular areas and marketplaces and all that. Anyway, yeah, that was pretty lucrative. I'll tell you what, got some, Kev, got some free Pepsi out of it. How come you just live in a house in Malmesbury and don't own the whole of Malmesbury? <laughs> Because I got married, and then and then all of the money went away with that. Oh, Kev. Right. Um, so pick-time.com. Go to them. 
And uh, if you would like a, a free month's membership, you can put in the uh, the code, which is FUJICAST. Or we say every single time, capital letters FUJICAST. And uh, you two could be using using that wonderful system like what we does. Um, right, questions, Kev. Do you want to go with uh, – what are you going to go with? Are you going to go with um, a Facebook one or, or an email one first? Go email because uh, I've got quite a big one to dissect here from okay. the Facebook all right. This is from Stuart. Um, hello again. Now that people are becoming more suspicious, some with good reason, do you think street photography is still appropriate? In the past, nobody had to worry what their image would be posted or used for on social media or copied by AI. If it's still acceptable, how do you go about doing it without people feeling uncomfortable? It's a very good question, Kev, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly with... Uh, I suppose AI, um, we, we often talk about privacy, but AI now adds a, a new layer of questions to this debate, doesn't it? I mean, I don't think the AI stuff is a street photography question in its own right. I think that's an ethics question is mm. with in terms of what you do with it afterwards. Um, but if AI can put faces that you've made into other pictures, I suppose that's where it becomes... There's so many tentacles to AI and what it can do. You know, it's not something that worries me, I have to say, in terms of... Just street photography stuff. And my, my answer to all of this has always been that people need to understand that, like, if you just stand on a street, in any street, probably, uh, you know, if you're in London, for example, yeah. you're going to be, you're going to have, like, probably 30 cameras pointed at you at any point in time, hmm. like from CCTV, from AMPR, from all kinds of things like uh, legal cameras. You're going to have, you're going to be in the background of people's selfies. You're going to be in the foreground of people's phone photos, you know, all over the place. You're going to have pictures taken. And what we have to do as a, as a street photography community is never forget that actually what we're doing is not wrong. And also it's important that we carry on doing it because otherwise the history of places will not be documented. Well, the history of places will only be documented through the eyes of, of a camera that's 20 feet up in the air. Precisely. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and so I, I always feel like the people that ask this question are just a little bit uncomfortable and unconfident with themselves going out in the streets because they think, oh, what if somebody comes up to me? What if somebody says this? What if somebody says that? And the fact is they probably won't. And if they do, you just explain what you're doing. But, um, but Stuart's yeah, right. Taking though, pictures pe- of the area. Yeah, people are becoming more and more suspicious, though, aren't they? I'm not uh, sure they are. I, I have to say, I, I'm not sure they yeah, are. We, we, we've we've just all, get on with their own day. We've often talked. To, yeah, but we've often talked about some of the countries in in Europe and Austria comes up a lot. I know where where photography, street photography, is now banned. You can't do it. That's why there's so much movement image, um, uh, unintentional camera, um, intent not unintentional, intentional camera movement pictures that, that are now street documentary. Uh, yeah, but that's brought in. That's been brought in by the government. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the people. Um, yeah, but so the I people are very. They're very aware of it, um, Kev. I mean, I've told that story about when when uh, young Thomas was on a, a train platform, just making a picture of a train departing. You know, like lo- like mm. lots of kids do. Certainly in the in the UK, and m- many adults as well for you know train spotting, which is a you know it's a bona fide pastime. But when Thomas lifted the camera to make a picture of this um, this train leaving, I mean, honestly. The driver dived below the controls, and it was it was almost comical. Uh, and that's why I know my rights. You can't photograph me. Well, he is within his rights in that case, you know. But when you're talking about street photography in a public place, Which he can, was. of course, do what he wants. He can jump behind whatever he wants. You know, the, the fact of the matter is taking photographs on a train station platform... Yeah. 
is, uh, you're not in a public place. So, you know, there is protections yeah, there for whatever reason. Yeah, but I, I think, gen, gen, I mean, that's the example I'm giving, but generally, yeah. generally in the city itself, there are many people, and the cities themselves, there are many people that are more aware of their, their rights. And I, I think almost... I'm going to use the B word, and and, and it's going to be a great generalisation, but, but people have become, I think, not just in Austria, in other places as well, a little bit brainwashed to think that because a picture's being made of you, that something terrible's going to happen with it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think some people might have that attitude, but I think the vast majority of people will be thinking, what the hell is he taking a picture of me? Or he must have been taking a picture of somebody over my shoulder who's far more good looking, not just sat here drinking a Costa coffee, you know. <laughs> Yeah. It's not I, honestly. I think it's 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 a worry. It's definitely a worry that you know. We, certainly in in the United Kingdom and, and America, at least we are you know we're blessed with the luxury of still being able to photograph in public places. You know, and so people don't have the right yeah, yeah. to effectively say, "Don't take a picture of me." But of course, if somebody did, you wouldn't. And you know, whenever when I do my my workshops, I always say to people, "Look, you know, you have to." You have to have your own ethical boundaries. My ethical mm. boundaries are that I wouldn't take a photograph of anybody doing something that I wouldn't be comfortable with another stranger taking a photo of me doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, and so that's where it is. I think a lot of people, you know, and this, there's a lot of this stuff on YouTube, but you see a lot of people who are antagonistic and oh, they're, yeah. They're yeah, yeah, skulking yeah, yeah. in the yeah. corners. And, and they're the ones know, that say, I know my rights when somebody stops them, you know, yeah, they're, they're purposefully good. Like yeah, that. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't have to be like that. But at the same time, at the same time, it doesn't mean that, you know, I've seen a lot of very, very good street photographers over the kind of past five to seven years. Yeah move away from really, really lovely storytelling images to only taking pictures um, from a distance where there's shadows, highlight shadows, yeah. you know, kind of much more artistic in some ways, but be because they're fearful of actually, you know, taking pictures of people in a public place, putting it on Instagram, etc. And you, mm. you shouldn't be fearful of it. Isn't, uh, yeah. I, last last week when we were on holiday in the Isle of Wight, with, we go with well, one family now. It used to be several families. I'm not quite sure what we did to the other family, Kev. But the family we went with, the mum has this this great fear of any picture now turning up on Facebook. And I did ask her one day, I said, what, what is it that you're, you're actually worried about with regard to social media? And she couldn't put a finger on it, really. It was just a fear. And I wonder whether that a fear, as Stuart suggests, is growing or not. You don't think so? I think that's possible. Mm. Yeah, I've got to say one of the reasons why I'm kind of backing away from weddings a little bit is because the whole dynamic of people has changed, in my yeah, opinion, you yeah. know, and, and they only want the Instagram friendly faces. Um, and I'm not on about the clients, I'm on about guests. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some, some, maybe I'm not saying this about your friend in the Isle of Wight, of course, but, you know, it's some of it, sometimes it's just vanity, yeah. you know, I know it's I, just vanity. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, don't take my picture until I've lost a couple of pounds. Don't take my picture till I put my makeup on. Don't take a picture of me with my hair like this. And I've got people in my own family who just like, oh, don't take a picture of me. And I, and I stopped taking pictures of them now. And I say to them, when you're dead, there'll be no pictures of you for us to remember you by. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think about that? You know, do you ever write that in a greetings card to them? Well, it's true though. When no, you're dead, true. nobody's going to remember you. It's true. You know, Rosa, Rosa's friends, lots of her friends, are, you know, they're all lovely kids. But yeah. 
you know, you, there's this thing, you know, they take pictures of themselves on Instagram with their faces covered up, you know, yes. covering their faces up because yeah. they don't want to be, you know, it's, and that's, that's a vanity thing probably brought on by the pressures of uh, influencers and social media itself. Yeah. Um, so there's a deeper, there's a deeper conversation to have about that. Jeepers, we're all, everybody's unique. Everybody's individual. Everybody's mm. beautiful. Doesn't matter what shape, size, color, bold, hairy, whatever, short, tall, etc. You know, and, and, and I just think it's a sad place if, yeah. if, if people just never ever want their photos taken because of their insecurity about themselves. Now, I'm not saying that I, I think that's sad and I'm not saying that that's that person's fault. Of course, you know, there may be deeper anxiety issues, all kinds of things could be happening, but I think that's a minority of people. And I, you know, I reckon if you just wander around the streets taking pictures, you know, as long as you're not stood there leaning against a lamppost with a 200 mil lens, you know, looking like a 1970s detective, then, you know, I think you'd be all right. <laughs> I've been on a course of yours where somebody was dressed a bit like that, Kev. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. Yeah, he had a secret hidden <laughs> Se- re- secret way. Yeah, well, it was sorts. very, it was ingenious. But that clandestine method, you see, um, where was I? I was walking, uh, it doesn't matter really. I was, I was walking with a friend. And um, we, uh, it might have been Neil Ford, actually. Uh, we were, anyway, we were making some, we were making some street photographs. I apologise, by the way, if it was you and I was thinking it was Neil. But we, we were just, we were walking along the street and this guy coming the other way, I, I could see it from, I don't know, maybe 20 paces away that he was preparing to make lots of pictures of us as we were walking along. I don't have an issue with that, but the way in which he was doing this clandestine method just made me laugh. And as he passed and did it, and I said, put the camera to your face, mate, smiling as I said it. And he laughed as well. And I, I think the honesty of street photography, I like to see that come back. I, I, well, I w- the, the shooting from the hip, thing, it doesn't have to be shot from the hip. Make no. a picture and do it with honesty. He it, says, it, it, smack there, the is a, there is a place yes. for shooting from well, the yeah, head or shooting without the camera to your eye. There yeah. definitely is. However, if you, you know, if you, if you look at some of the um, footage on YouTube of, uh, you know, the, the iconic street photographer, especially from the 70s and 80s, um, you know, Joel Merwitz, that kind of thing, you'll, you'll see that they don't, they, they're just people in a place. They raise the camera to their eye most of the time, not all the time. Most Pretty of the time they the do. Time what I've seen. And, and if somebody says to them, you know, oh, you take my pictures. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm just taking, I'm just documenting this area. I'm just taking pictures around here. Um, you know, and it's a personality thing as much as anything. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I, I, I've got the brightest personality in the world, so I'm all right. <laughs> there we go. Stuart did have a PS. <laughs> Can I do a quick PS? The last episode had a question about phones replacing dedicated cameras. I wholeheartedly agree with Kevin that this will never happen with people who care about photography. I've read about some who've switched to using a phone exclusively as a proof of concept. However, as you mentioned, uh, they install grips, cages, lights, etc. to the point where you can't really carry it around in your pocket. Also, once you add these things, you don't really want to be taking them on and off all the time. So most buy a second phone to use as, (laughs) ironically, a phone. Uh, you really can't say it's less expensive or a better product, even though it's possible. Maybe I'm just old, but I don't see phones replacing cameras anytime soon, if ever. From Stuart, there we go. Good PS. And that sort of puts a, a sort of end to to that discussion. Until the next time, of course. Mm-hmm. Right, okay, Kev, um, Facebook. Right, in time on a tradition, I will go with the latest one, uh, which came in four hours ago oh. from the Bearded Man Photography. 
Paul Stevenson. Uh, and there's actually five. There's five QQs here. Oh, so okay. we'll do we'll do each one in order, I right. guess. Number one is aimed directly at me. It says, Kev, facing retirement. I'm not retiring. I'm just slowing down with the wedding. <laughs> stopping the weddings mostly. I yeah. still have to make a living. Uh, facing retirement. Is there one wedding that will stick with you? other than the poor old lady one, oh. for life. Maybe particularly emotional or very unique. Well, yeah, there's there's, there's a few I could probably point out here. This is like picking out your favourite child, Kev. There was, uh, yeah, there was one time where I was asked to go and take saucy pictures of the bride. Oh, I remember. Uh, yeah, I there remember was... that. What happened to that one? I didn't do it. <laughs> didn't um, do it. <laughs> I think I think probably... I think if I had to to kind of pick one, it would be when I I shot I I, I turned up to this wedding. You know, usual me. I, I kind of my pre wedding questionnaire is uh, you know what time do I need to be there? That's yeah. <laughs> affected, and uh, and so I turned up to this this place thinking this is quite a nice place. Yeah. Looking you know as I always do, looking like Colombo shirt not really ironed properly, didn't have a tie on jacket. Was, you know, been worn worn the same jacket for the last seventeen weddings, whatever. Scuff shoes, only to find that it was. My well, kind of between minor and major royalty um, were there, and for a reason because it was part of their family. So I think that sticks out with me. It was a lovely wedding, um, but I kind of think, yeah, th- that's the day I should have had a shave. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it, Kev? Um, it was. Uh, Are you allowed to say? Yeah, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I think I do talk about it on my workshops and stuff, but I, I, I've not yeah. shared the picture. I have shared pictures from that wedding. There's a blog post, in fact, but I haven't shared pictures of the. Um, not that they asked me not to, in fairness, but I didn't share pictures of uh, of these particular um, people. It's, what, it's, what it made- I did. I saw. So, uh, so to put it in context, yeah. there was one of the the, the minor between minor and major. <laughs> Isn't it horrible to be? to be described as a minor royal <laughs> yeah well you know what i mean i mean like not not no kind no of... but they do though kev that's what i mean you know you're a minor yeah. royal <laughs> uh, so i went there was this girl who you know with the uh the instax and people you often see people shaking instax or, yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. whatever those things are polaroid, um, polaroid. they shake it yeah. like a polaroid and and, and, uh, and like a little just to keep me occupied i normally yeah. rush up to them tap them on the shoulder and say <gasps> Don't shake it. Don't shake it. You'll just spread the ink. It's not the right thing to do. Just put it on the table yeah. and let it dry. Because yeah. that's true. Actually, yeah. you shouldn't shake these things. No. And she's like, oh, oh, I'm dreadfully sorry. <laughs> and it was only later when I sent a picture of the back of the camera to Gemma. I was like, I really recognize this person. She was like, yeah, you you should recognize her. And I, I tapped on the shoulder and told her off. <laughs> Shaking the yeah. So she had a similar sort of question. She'd say, have you ever been to an event where somebody really offended you? And she'll be saying, yeah, there was this bloke yeah, that yeah, ran yeah. over, pulled me on There's the shoulder. There's scruffy, rugby. fat, middle-aged yeah. bloke wandered up to me. <laughs> rugby tackled me to the floor and said, don't you ever shake that again. And then went off and, and raided the canopy tray. Go on then. Right, number two yeah. is aimed at both of us. You don't have to mention names, but do you have a favourite venue? I do, actually. You it's, can mention names. I don't see why yeah, you can't I, have to mention yeah. names. Um, I mean, I have venues I work at very often that I have a soft spot for. But if I thought of a favourite venue that, that I, I really look back and think, oh, that was really different. I really enjoyed that. It's a place called Spitbank Fort, which is um, one of the Napoleonic forts. There's three that lie in the Solent. Saw it last week and went past it in the car ferry, actually. And uh, it just, it was built during Napoleonic times uh, on, on sort of sandbanks out in, well out in the Solent. In fact, to navigate 
passed and into Portsmouth stocks. Um, certainly the huge, um, how many, uh, I don't think we have many, but the huge um, ships that we have, the Navy ships, the aircraft carriers that we have, or carrier, now has sort of laser guidance to get it through the sandbanks and into, into Portsmouth Harbour. That was an amazing place because it's, it's just it's a bit spooky inside cave. You can go right down where the water line is. And it's double lined, two two lots of bricks, and you go and you go around that. It's completely pitch black, and you can walk all the way around the fort in the in the pitch black in that in that tunnel. Mm. That was a bit spooky. Don't you think it's weird that we can you know we can have ships that are, can laser guide themselves through tiny little gaps these days? I know. Yeah, they can't even fix potholes in the road. Amazing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point. <laughs> So that's mine. What about yours? Um, yeah, I'm not sure I've got a favourite. I'm not like you. I don't work at... In fact, one of the next questions is about repeating venues, but I don't I don't typically work at the same place that often. Yeah. Well, this, um, this, this so, wasn't like that often for me. It's only once. It was a one-time Yeah, thing. so I'm going to pick... I'm going to pick a unique venue Go that on. I shot at, I yeah. think, which was... I think it was last year. It was in northern Norway, and it was, it, it um, was a glass box on the side of a mountain sort of a pod wasn't it yeah it was like a viewing platform i suppose but yeah. a very nice one hewn into the rock yeah um and we had to we all had to hike up to this place yeah. um you know it's like a good half hour hike from the base yeah that was that was probably the most unique place they only had the ceremony there they then went back down the hill into a kind of chalet type um environment i think that's probably the most unique it looked amazing it i did have amazing. a bit of booking in during it was going to happen but covid came along and it Ooh. was in germany right. i was really looking forward to it because you go out on a boat right. and it was in in the um i know germany doesn't have much of a coastline but does have some at the top and uh it was in a in a glass ball on stilts in the sea what's that place called i can't remember Let but me... i was really upset that i never m- managed to get there because covid glass came and bowl in sea off coast of germany give me enough time i can probably find it i think i I oh, know that's just giving me nice German glass bowl designs on Etsy. <laughs> I'm not seeing. Well, I tell you what, I'll look it up while while we go on to the next bit. Number three, yeah. both. Yeah. What's the most you've ever visited one venue in one season, and did you find it challenging? I'll leave that one up to you for a moment. While well, I... the, the venue I've worked at the most is a place called Wazing Park. W A S I N G Wazing Park. It's um, probably my, I suppose it's my local. Ve- if you had a local venue in terms of a home venue, it would be mine. It is, I think, fifteen minutes and forty-five seconds, or something like that. If the traffic is right and I'm driving at the right speed and the lights are all green from door to door so it feels like my home venue and when it opened in 2008 I think I did their second wedding I think that year or maybe the year after actually I think I did and they were in the days Kev when I was doing about well between 70 and 80 weddings a year I must have I must have clocked up 30 at that at that venue in one year in one year maybe 25 30 then it sort of then it died off a little bit because I was working at lots of different venues uh, now I don't work there quite so often these days but I'll still do 5 to 10 in a year but I I have worked there now I remember saying to a couple many years ago I've worked there 150 times in my career so it must be more it must be 170 by now okay so part of Paul's question there was do, do you find it challenging going there so often it's a bit boring a bit repetitive mm. 
no, because they've changed the venue a little bit as the years have gone on. I know the place very well, so it's not so much of a challenge. And I do like a challenge. I think sometimes you make better pictures when you when you are challenged. I don't really go with this. You know when people contact you and they say, I must have somebody who's worked at this venue, who knows this mm. venue. I think, I don't think that makes a lot of difference. And I refer no. you back, Your Honour, to working on Spitbank Fort a moment ago. And actually, the year after COVID, when I worked in a, oh, a beautiful forest uh, wedding that I did, and I think you look at those, and you know, I think I shot some of my best work there because I went to it like a kid in a candy shop that, mm. you know, never been there before. That doesn't mean that I don't, I don't get, I, I think, half-decent pictures when I go to venues I've worked at many times. It's just a, it's a different experience, isn't it, really? But it's not a challenge in that respect. I think the, the challenge of people, not, not the venue, because the venue will never be the same weather. No, um, and, and yeah, the, so I know. don't, I, yes, I totally agree. And, and I, like, I have no, I always say the same thing to people when they say, have you shot this venue before? And I, I actually flip it and say, no, but that's a good thing. Yeah, I'll go with that's brand I new yeah. eyes. Yeah, yeah. I don't really, like I said, I don't really revisit venues much. I mean, I did, in fact, it was Wazing also. I remember one Christmas, well, not Christmas, it was December, and I was there three times in the space of five weeks at Wazing. Yeah. Probably weddings you couldn't do that you passed on to me. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't really, I don't really have that situation. Although, thinking back to this, I've shot, there's a place in Bath, just outside Bath, called Priston Mill, which is lovely. Yeah. And I'd shot there once in, 14 years and i really liked it it's a nice place you know it's a barn conversion done well but this this year I'm, i've got a wedding there this sunday and it will be my third time there this year see that's because you blogged you blogged it to death you did no um, because the, the first time i was there was must have been 10 years ago oh, maybe even more oh, so yeah. how's that happen that's just coincidence then is it yeah i oh, think so oh yeah. I, I thought maybe you'd you'd got that one and you've done your digital uh, marketing in your mastery the original, way the original one's not even on oh, on the website no, yeah that, well that's interesting then isn't it how weird right number four yeah. best and worst supplier meal he says i once got given a cheese sandwich and some crisps on a 12-hour day Oof, that's brutal Ooh, that is i do i do remember somebody so it wasn't the venue but i do remember it was i'm gonna say it kev don't care i'm gonna say it it was i think he is now a conservative minister but i won't say his name and he, when on my contracts used to go out and say that the supplier should have a hot meal of his workings or 10 hours or whatever it was. And I remember a phone call from him and he said, um, just going through the contract, um, it says here you, you, want a, you want a hot meal. Is, is that right? Do you really need, need a hot meal? It was, it, was a real, it, was, it was a real penny picker. And I remember that conversation. Say, really? Like, it, was, it was said in a really sneery way. But anyway, that wasn't quite what you were asking. The worst I ever had was at a very, 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 very plush, well-known place where people descend upon if they visit London um, as one of those places you have to eat in. The supply meal was rubbish, Kev. Mm. It It was the worst supply meal ever. Honestly, I could have cooked it. That's how bad it was. But I don't okay, know if I, so- I, I don't know if I can... I'll say it. The- Oh, okay. Yes, I've done a couple of those, and I don't think I even got a supplier meal. In fairness, it was awful. Yeah, I, I, I thought he might be on about Claridge's. So I, I was going to say Claridge's. I've done a couple of Claridge's as well, and and actually, Claridge's is the place where I've had the best supplier meal yeah. that I can remember. So you're least. lucky. I've never worked at Claridge's. I'd love to. It's beautiful. It's Gordon Ramsay's stomping yeah, grounds. You're it? never going to get a bad meal there, surely. Um, <laughs> I actually did a wedding once, again, a long, long time ago, a very small wedding. It was like 12 people. And they had um, private dining at Claridge's. 
and uh, and it was Gordon Ramsay. Part this was like a super high end wedding package where Gordon Ramsay cooked the food. Oh, so I don't. I'm fairly sure oh. I didn't get his food for my supplier meal, but it was still very nice. I didn't see him. Send this out to Mullins. I know <laughs> who's that scruffy fat middle aged yeah. bloke over there sitting in the, the corner. The guy who keeps leaping on people for using. Their Instax cameras in Yeah, he's playing football manager on his phone. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> the, I know exactly what my worst ever one was, though. It wasn't a particularly high-end venue. I can't even remember where it was, I have to say, somewhere in, in the UK anyway. Yeah. Uh, lovely wedding, lovely people, you know, and, and they were like, oh, we've organised food for you, all of that kind of, you know, how it goes, um, which was great. And then the, uh, the, the kind of catering person who's always flustered, yeah. you know, <laughs> said... Um, Oh, do you know if they've ordered? Do you know if they've ordered um, ordered a food for you? I said, well, I think so. Yeah, they just said they they organised food for me. Oh, right, okay. Um, well, I better go and see then. Off he off he trotted, and he came back and he plonked down a um, microwaved frozen pizza, one of those small little oh, frozen pizzas, oh, which in itself is not too bad. Yeah, they'll be that, soggy, that's, that's, soggy if it's that's enough for me. Well, it, it was beyond soggy; it was wet. It was soaking oh. wet. <laughs> Somebody had obviously poured a cup of water or, oh, or you know, run it under the tap or something, <laughs> oh, and it was just—it was—it was. If I, I lifted it up and water just poured off the side, oh, disgusting! <laughs> it was grim, <laughs> absolutely grim. And of course, you know, I, you know, and I didn't eat it. And then the the clients later went, "Oh, you, did you get your food?" Yeah, and I was meal. like, yeah, "I did. Yeah, it was lovely. Thank you very much for organising that." Ah, but here's the ripped off. Yeah, here's the question, Kev: Would you ever complain? Knowing no. that the, the the venue might then sort of put some sort of black mark on you for the future. No, yeah. no, no, never. I would never. I would never complain. And also, I would never say to the client if they've said, "Oh, did you get your food? Was it was it okay?" And if I hadn't got it, which has happened several times, yeah, you say yes. I always just say, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. Don't worry. All done." All done. Um, because I don't want them stressing about that kind of no, stuff. On no, you're quite today. right. You're quite right. I, I, same with me. I would never. I would never tell. Right, yeah, I think there's a fifth. Is, are we up to five? There's a fifth, yep. yep. Uh, number five, have you ever said no to a booking based on the couple um, and or the venue? I don't think with the venue, no. I think with a couple, yes. And and it was because the – it was in the days where – it was in the days when I, I could stay very firm on my pricing. I think, I think I'm firmer now, funnily enough. I've, I've With your advice, Kev, I think I've turned a bit of a corner. But um, for a while, and I blame COVID and so on and so forth, I was I was de- definitely soft when it came to negotiation or softer. But in the days when I was much firmer with negotiation, I remember a guy trying to, and it wasn't the Conservative minister to be, trying to, trying to cut me down um, just silly amounts of money on different bits of it. And I just, I got the feeling at the end, it was, it, for him, it was just a bit of a, some sort of corporate, negotiation i said look I, after having accepted i said i don't want to do this anymore and i said to her, i i just i don't think we're going to get on on the day he he was really surprised i think he was used to getting his way with everything mm. and i have a feeling that his his wife to be gave him a proper grilling over it because he came back very much with his tail between his legs but i still didn't accept it i said i'm sorry now I, I can't do it yeah I think I've had a, I mean, I've definitely said no to inquiries that I've been free for based on the content of the email that I've received, you know, um, we really love your style, but it's really important to us that we have portraits and, you know, will you, will you be able to do groom and bride and, you know, I want pictures of my dress, all that kind of stuff. So they they go away. And I, I did, I've only ever once returned a deposit where, um, 
you know, and and he knew it as well. We were the, the conversation was going on, and he's like, "Look, Kev, I know that you know it's not your style, but my mom, an Italian um, family tradition, is to have." Uh, so he said, "All of these, you know, lots of group shots and everything, and it's really unavoidable." Um, and it was enormous, you know, it was like 65 different combinations. Oh. And I just said to him, I said, look, and, and, and this was a couple, well, a couple of months before the wedding. And I just said, look, honestly, I really think the best thing I can do for you is to give you your deposit back and give you the, a, a list of people who I think yeah. will be able to do a much better job at your wedding than you. And I remember like, doing that wedding. It was 72 group shots. <laughs> it was you, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've done that. Um, and I think, you know, what you, what you have to, what you always have to remember, I think, as a, and of course we're talking, we're, we're, we're on the wedding photography angle here, but it's true for any genre, I guess, is that, you know, you are the expert. They've come to you for your services. So don't be, you know, don't feel like you have to give them whatever they want if it's outside of the boundaries of your usual service offering. Mm. And for me, that's, you know, pretty straightforward to the group shots, the formal stuff, all of that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I don't do them. I don't enjoy them and I don't do them particularly well. There are there are better photographers who can do lots and lots and lots of lots of group shots. Mm. Of course, I can do, you know, like the, the two or three or whatever. But I am. I'm offering my service based on a very particular niche. You're offering yours based on your niche. Everybody are uh, niches for the Americans, yeah. and and so don't be. You know, don't be. Don't be afraid to say. Actually, I don't do that. You know, that's not what I do. You know, all too often photographers, especially in the wedding world, bend and yield to do things. And you know, can you do bridal prep and groom prep at the same time? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're panicking, you're running around in your car, and you're, yes. you're worrying about being late for the ceremony, all yeah. that kind of stuff. You say, well, no, not really. I can I can facilitate the, a, a second shooter for us, you know, obviously additional cost that, that will allow you to have that, but I can't do both. And all too often, I think wedding photographers certainly yeah. will just say, yeah, 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 I'll do that. Um, and then they panic and they rush and things go wrong and what have you. Good advice. And this has been the Bearded Man Photography Q&A show. Yeah. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> uh, we're going to do the book of the week, and then I think that's about it, Kev. But but uh, did you find that uh, amazing venue that you were trying to find, the, the one no, in Germany? That you nearly, I, I, did you I find glass bowls on Etsy too? No, I didn't. Yeah, I couldn't find it. Yeah. I'm afraid I couldn't find it. Right, shall we do the book? Book of the week, Kev. What is right. it? Come on, what's so this gonna, mystery? I am going to start with uh, the letter right. that was sent. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk and uh, I'll probably not read out the whole letter because it's quite large. However, dear Kevin, dear Neil, mm. uh, you may or may not remember me from the several questions I've asked on the show and teasing the meaning of my business name, last of the seventh. Ring a bell now? It does ring a bell, but I'm still yeah. trying to remember. You know what I'm like with names. Yeah, I know, Kev. I know. <laughs> well, you well, couldn't even remember the name, uh, the word pumpkin earlier. Oh, I can't even. Sometimes <laughs> I can't even remember to get up in the morning. Um, well, well, most things. The truth is never as alluring as the mystery. Quite simply, I am born on the last day of the seventh month. Sorry to disappoint. There we go. Oh, okay. uh, that's that's solved the riddle of the last of the seventh, which yes, we did talk about yes, a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, since then, I took the advice of one of the episodes of the podcast and separated my wedding business completely from my documentary photography work, and it has been the best decision. It has made life so much easier for myself and, most importantly, my clients. Right. I highly recommend it for yeah. any photographers out there thinking of doing it. So he's, I, so he's still doing lots of different things, but he's completely separated the two. Correct. Yeah. Um, I have just released my new book under my actual name. 
and shot entirely with Fujifilm gear. And it is an absolute pleasure to share it with you as a thank you for all the inspiration, both for the podcast and your respective bodies of work have given me over the years. Um, now, when he says share with you, he means shares with me. Yeah, I know. The, the book always goes to Kev. I never get it. Yeah, more than welcome, Neil, at any I, point. I, I don't want it. He didn't, he didn't send I'll one. I don't, I don't want it. <laughs> um, my new book, Uplooker, in capital to. letters. Now I do want to. Um, documents life on the streets of my hometown, Adelaide, throughout the COVID pandemic. Right. It's been shot over four years from early 2019 through to very late 2022 and has been an absolute labour of love. Doing all of the design layout myself, even the self-publishing, the opening page of the book speaks as to how and why this project came to be and gives some insight into what can often be a controversial topic in the photography world, photographing people who call the streets home, i.e. homeless people. For me, as the book explains, it came down to intent. If you're photographing someone with an exploitive or demeaning intent, then of course you're going to feel that energy in the photos. And that is something that is not of interest to me in the slightest. Um, But to sit and interact for lengthy periods of time and then photograph people from a point of view of compassion, which is really important, with a desire to capture who they are, irrespective of their so-called social status, then hopefully that is the energy and emotion that is conveyed in the photographs. There you go. So he goes on to say, if you find the book interesting enough to review on the podcast, which I do because it's fantastic, I think you would absolutely make my year and I would be forever grateful. It's a cause and social issue very close to my heart. I'm donating $5 from every book sold to a fantastic organization in my hometown who do incredible work. And I'm hoping the tiny light my book can shine on the issue, can raise compassion and awareness in people's lives. Um, So I'll tell you how you can get hold of the book in a moment. But first, the book. So Uplooker, what does that tell you? Well, you're looking up, looking at the... It's a hardback book, <laughs> not a paperback. Well, Usually when people do self-publishing, they're softbacks, aren't they? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, not always. Not exclusively. No, no, no. No, no. but usually. Okay. This is a solid, good-looking, brilliant picture. And I love – so the cover, initially – so I, I when I first uh, read the note, I thought, oh, that, that's really interesting. And I thought, oh, another COVID lockdown kind of – you know, empty streets kind of thing, but it's yeah, yeah. it's far from that. And and interestingly, the um the cover picture, which is a uh, color picture of a, a homeless person, but cleverly, Paul has blacked out the eyes. Okay, which gives oh. us, I think, gives us some insight into the um the, the emotional situation within the the page of this book. Um, and it, it's just really, really beautiful. Like the, the, the image, first of all, the photography is fantastic. There's a lot of black and white work in here. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a fair amount of color as well, but a lot of black and white. Yeah. Um, but with, it's very, very obvious when I look at all of these pictures that, um, Paul understands light, understands it really, really well. Cause a good, a good black and white picture really needs, um, contrast between light and shadow, you know, and so, I don't know uh, any point whether Paul is encouraging his subjects to kind of look in certain directions or whatever. I'm guessing probably in some cases, which is a good thing because it it makes the portrait more appealing. There's a lot of kind of environmental type stuff with people looking uncomfortable, holding their hands in their uh, holding their head in their hands, that kind of thing. Masks up, masks down. But the photography in its own right is really wonderful, really, really, really beautiful. Um, lots of different people and. To, sometimes you'll look at a page and think, oh, that's the same picture on two different pages. But it's just a slight twist. It's just yeah. a slight different eye, movement of the eye. Um, you know, in some cases, the, the cigarette, they might be smoking, the, the cigarette button has gone down a little bit longer. You know, there, there's good connection between the uh, continuity, 
continuity, continuity between the yeah. pages in that you know you have some pictures and then you might have some graffiti or some um money that's been uh, some writing on the wall on the floor in pencil uh, sorry in chalk you know please help me i'm homeless that kind of stuff yeah. really 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 superb book i really really um enjoyed looking at it. it it's it's just really powerful there's a picture of a chap on one side of the page here and then on the other side it's just a close-up of his forearms yeah. which show um self-harming marks um yeah. you know and and just makes you so sad you know it's 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 a beautiful thing from a sad subject you know close-ups of people's feet and and the and the, the unhealthiness of them you, you might think when i say that close-ups of people's feet oh, i don't want to see pictures of close-ups of yeah. people's feet but overall as a project it's important to include that kind of stuff because yeah. it connects things together and it t- gives the whole story you know so often if you think of um What's his name? Um, a black and white photographer does you, you, uh, very gritty black and white images of homeless people. Oh, Lee Jeffries. Yes, Lee yeah, Jeffries. Yeah. Uh, amazing pictures, but often it's just the face. Um, I wouldn't call his pictures environmental portraits, whereas the ones in Stephen's book are definitely environmental portraits. You get a real kind of um, understanding. Well, not an understanding, but you get a, you get an insight into the soul of these poor people, and it's just it's just a really well put together book. Yeah. I mean, the photography is amazing, but the actual layout of the book is is beautiful. The odd quote intersected, you know, and the overall feeling of it is one of sadness but hope. I think is probably it sounds like there's a, a sort of melancholic it. charm. Yeah, if, if you can use those two um, words together in in this context to, to the book it's yeah it's, it's really really nice um and one of those ones where you know i've got as you know i've got a lot of photo books now but one of the ones where i will definitely kind of look at that regularly yeah. so pre-orders will ship mid-november yeah and um you can go to paulcharlesbartlett.com p-a-u-l-c-h-a-r-l-e-s-b-a-r-t-l-e-t-t.com on instagram at paulcharlesbartlett i don't need to spell it out again and as it says here uplooker is a raw and emotional collection of 140 black and white and color photographs from adelaide-based photographer paul charles bartlett including some personal thoughts and quotes from various interactions this is a photographic documentation focusing on the humanity and struggle of life on the streets of adelaide during the covid pandemic yeah and it's really beautiful it is beautifully presented 152 pages um and yeah that was often the 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 untold story wasn't it those that yeah were were on the streets you know whilst we were all hiding inside yeah some people couldn't um yeah you know all those poor people you know what we had our illustrious leader giving us food to eat out eat out Eat out to help eat out. Eat out to help out, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, wonderful. What about all the people who can't even afford to eat in, let alone eat out? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know it's a, it's a really good book. So thanks, Paul, for sending it. And we should, must remember that his birthday is on the 31st of July. <laughs> <laughs> Why must we remember that? <laughs> so here's the thing, right? So yeah. I did my judo coaching uh, exams on the weekend. Yeah. Part of the thing that I learned was you should always ask open-ended questions at the end to reiterate what you've just educated people with. Right. So, Neil, mm-hmm. why do we know that Paul's birthday is on the 31st of July? I don't know, Kev. Why do we know? <laughs> Throwing back a question mark at you. <laughs> Paul's the last birthday. of the seventh. Oh, He's God. the last of the seventh because his birthday's on the last day of the seventh the month. The seventh month, yes. Sorry. Oh, my word. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 
dear. Don't ever come to one of my judo classes. No. <laughs> Sensei, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for my pasting, I shall say, <laughs> as I march on with me bare feet and my yeah. dressing gown. Yes, pyjamas. That's it for this week. Um, as the theme tune running underneath will suggest, uh, thank you for your, your questions. Keep sending them in. Kev, how do we send them in uh, via the lovely Facebook page? Uh, yep, search for FujiCast Facebook group. We've had a few new members. We've had a couple of new patrons recently yeah. as well. We keep forgetting about patrons. Yeah. Patrons are great because it gives us money. You can be a patron supporter of us if you want as it well. It gives us support, Kev. Is, is, gives us is, support. <laughs> um, FujiCast Facebook group. Just search FujiCast. Join the group. It's very friendly. Um, and there is a thread at the top, pinned. Uh, it says questions for the show. And uh, we will, we will, we're kind of slowly getting through most yeah. of them. And uh, of course, you can st- still email them as well. Well, click at fujicast.co.uk. Click at fujicast.co.uk. That's it for this week. See you in a couple of weeks, Kev. Bye. The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.